racing around. Drops! Think about Loa trying to make up for it. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! The Crimson Tide will not be denied. Welcome back in to Second and 26, your dedicated Alabama podcast here on The Athletic. So, so, so excited that you joined me uh, for this free version. Remember that every Monday podcast is free. Uh, that, but we do hope that you get uh, you know, get the little hankering to join The Athletic. I've had a lot of people tell me over the last two or three weeks that they finally broke down and got a subscription. And we're always running promotions, so you can always find one of those to save you even more money. But uh, we think that you'll love what you see, Alabama fresh off a 24-point win on the road in Columbia, South Carolina, 47-23. to uh, Tua Tonga-Valoa, 444 yards, five touchdowns, both career highs. And basically, it's met with a, oh, basically a yawn. Basically, uh, Alabama slept, walked through the performance, or at least that's what people are saying. And people have more questions about Alabama than ever, I think. I think you you look at things like that and you see it proves to you how dominant this program's been over the years um, that people just expect perfection and you expect perfection. I trust me. I heard from you, or at least most of you, in my Twitter mentions on Saturday uh, that this team has question marks and they do. I've I've kind of been pointing the direction. I thought something was a little off with this team. Uh, let me first say that that's me, that's me judging Alabama at an incredibly high standard. That's me judging Alabama on, is this team good enough to win a national championship? Um, I think they can get there. I think they've got question marks to answer um, to determine if they can win it, but I think they can get back to the college football playoff exactly how they're playing now. I don't think it would take anything different than what you've seen through three games for Alabama to be good enough to be ranked among the top four by the college football playoff committee and get into the playoff. Now, can they win it? Not with the way they're playing now. They're going to need to uh, to tighten it down a little bit and improve in some areas. But they're good enough right now to get there. I think But when we judge Alabama, it's not about getting there. We've been through this. It's not about just getting there. It's not about winning a conference championship. I mean, heck, they, did, they won a conference championship last year, and we barely even mentioned it. It's not what this program is about right now. They're at a place in history that we judge them on national championship. And if they don't win a national championship, it's viewed as a disappointment. So before you fire off your email to me or you fire off uh, a tweet that I'm being too, um, I'm judging Alabama at a high, to a too high standard, just remember, I'm judging Alabama essentially against itself, against what it's done in the past. That's how we judge this program right now. It's not other programs. You, no, 10 wins doesn't get you excited. At this point, qualifying for the college football playoff doesn't really even get you excited. You've been there every year. Every year the thing's been in existence, you, you've been there. So that doesn't even really rate with this fan base. So when I say something's off with this team, that's what I'm judging it against. Uh, it, it's off in terms of are they good enough to win a national championship? We don't know yet. But what we do know is that the defense can play not really well. The special teams can play not all that well. The running game can be pretty much non-existent. And you get a 24-point win on the road in your first SEC game. By the way, would have been a 31-point win and a cover if Alabama left its starting defense in. But Alabama put its backups in. And they gave up a late touchdown, which led to a 24-point win. 
which leads to people questioning Alabama. I've questioned Alabama in regards to things that I see. Uh, I cover this program day in and day out. I know it a little better than most of the national media, all of the national media. It's my job to know it. I should know it better than them. So sometimes when I, uh, I read their comments, I just laugh because they, they might have question marks about Alabama, but sometimes it's in different ways than my own question marks. Let's start with the defense. And I want to ask you a question. Was it as bad as it looked? Or are we overblowing? Like blowing out of proportion what South Carolina did. First off, let's just uh, let's tip the hat to the, tr- to the freshman quarterback, Halinski, who came in and played a whale of a game. Played such a good game, in fact, that I don't think Mr. Jake Bentley's getting his job back. Uh, if Jake Bentley doesn't go pro, I suspect Jake Bentley will be a graduate transfer next year. Will Muschamp needs to, needs to build for the future, and the future is Halinski at South Carolina. I thought he was great. I think he got away with a couple of throws that Alabama let him get away with, the touchdown that he threw into double coverage, um, should have been picked. Uh, Jordan Battle, who I've heralded as I think he's going to be a star in the secondary, was falling backwards. He should have made a play on the ball. He should have intercepted it. But it was a tremendous throw in between two guys that was caught. Still was a bad read on Helensky's part. He got away with it. But other than that, I thought he played a, a pretty good football game. And, you know, he he racked up a lot of yards uh, in that offense. But they didn't score a lot. And Alabama starting defense, what, allowed, uh, you know, 16 points before the garbage touchdown when the backups were in. So there are some issues. And if you, uh, if you, if you checked out Subtle's thoughts this week, which, uh, which comes and gets posted on The Athletic every Monday, it's my kind of recap of the game, things that I found interesting, um, a little bit of film review, uh, social media recap from the game, and just different areas that I thought needed more digging. And so I featured this week, um, mainly I featured Alabama's defense. And I featured Alabama's run defense. And I picked up two plays. And as I studied those two plays, the reason I even picked these two particular plays is because Alabama has given up a lot of yards over the years to really good teams through the air. But we don't see teams gouge Alabama on the ground. We just haven't seen it that often. But South Carolina was able to hit a couple of explosive runs with Rico Dowdle. And I wanted to find out why. So I pulled two of those runs, and I, in my own way, did a little bit of film review. Now, let me say, like I always say when I review offensive line, I don't know what all 11 defenders' assignment was on this play. So I can't tell you if for 100% certainty, you know, if there was a guy that, that twisted the wrong way, a guy that stunted the wrong way, a guy that slanted the wrong way, any of that. I can't tell you if one guy busted the coverage while the other 10 did their job. I can't tell you any of that because I don't know their assignments. Only the coaches and those particular players know that. But I can tell you what I saw on the play. And the first play I picked was the first play of the second half. South Carolina has the ball. Guys, it was it was tremendously hot in Columbia, South Carolina. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but their stadium is surrounded on the outside and everywhere by concrete. It's like they don't – outside of the fairgrounds – 
everywhere in, around that stadium is concrete, which made it feel hotter than it was. But on the field, it was really hot. But this particular play was the first play of the third quarter. So Alabama should have been relatively fresh on defense. This isn't a case where they were gassed and guys bent over at grabbing grabbing their knees, trying to catch their win. It wasn't any of that. It was the first play of the second half. They were fresh. They were relatively fresh. And on this particular play, uh, Christian Harris is the Will linebacker and Shane Lee is the Mike linebacker. And it's a run play to Rico Dowdle, a run play in which the center and the right guard are pulling. And it just so happens this particular play that Christian Harris was blitzing right into the vacated hole where the center and right guard have left. So the center and right guard have pulled. There's a big hole for Christian Harris to run through. In most situations, the linebacker is going to get there, and that's going to be a, a, a tackle for loss. That's going to be an explosive play for the defense. That's going to be a negative three, negative four-yard loss for the offense. Because if you, if you go look at the article, and I've got the film up there, just study it. Christian Harris is coming right up the middle into the hole where those offensive linemen are no longer there. He gets there, but it's almost a half second too late, and he, he misses the tackle. Enrico Dowdle follows his center and right guard around the end. He goes for 22 yards. Now, on the play also, the, the Alabama nose guard and right defensive end are slanting to the right. So they've taken themselves out of the play before it even starts. Um, I believe it's Justin Aboigby is the left defensive end, and he can't get off the block of the tight end, which is concerning, but nevertheless. Xavier McKinney has come down because he's read the play knows what it is, but he's overmatched because he's got two offensive linemen in his way. They easily take care of him, and it sets up a big run for Rico Dowdle. The second play I feature is also in the second half, and it's it's during a time during the game where Ali Cahoe has come into the game because he's been put in in place of Christian Harris. Christian Harris uh, basically went a little what Nick Saban calls rat trap, meaning he started making a couple of mistakes, he didn't recognize things, and he sort of mentally couldn't handle it. So they pulled him from the game. They put Ali Cahoe in the game. This time, this particular run from Rico Dowdle is going to the left, the center and the left guard pull. Um, Shane Lee is still your Mike linebacker. Cahoe is your Will linebacker. Cahoe reads it, and he's waiting for Rico Dowdle in the hole, so it seems. But he overran it. He overran the play. The Alabama defensive guys did a good job of setting the edge. They didn't allow Rico Dowdle to the sideline. They forced him back inside. Ali Cahoe gets trapped on the outside. He overran the play. So Dowdle gets, gets, gets between him and then rushes for 33 yards. That's a 27-yard rush and a 33-yard rush, the two plays that I highlighted. And I may have said a 22-yard rush earlier. It's a 27-yard rush. I apologize. We just don't see that against Alabama defenses. They will give up a lot of plays in the air. They have. We've seen multiple quarterbacks have big days against Alabama. That's how you beat them. But you're not getting it on the ground. South Carolina got it on the ground because of two plays that the linebacker should have made, was in position to make but didn't make. I say all that to say this. 
they were big explosive plays that Alabama allowed on the ground, but they were in position to make them. So they're not as far away as the naked eye would make it appear. Now, I can't help Alabama for being on the field for 86 plays. That's on them. They got to get off the field on third down. They need to help have their offense possess the ball a little more to help them. Alabama won the time of possession in this game, In this game, by the way. So it's not like the offense didn't do their job, but Alabama threw the football a lot and didn't run it a whole lot. So it allowed South Carolina to be on the field a while. But Alabama's got to get off, get off the field. 86 plays, and Nick Saban said it after the game. We're not going to get through an entire season. We don't have enough guys if we're going to play 86 plays a game on defense every game. So that's a problem. 31 first downs. 31 first downs. Tied for most ever given up by Nick Saban defense in, in his tenure at Alabama. They've done it three other times. Clemson in two national championship games had gotten 31 first downs. And Johnny Manziel in Texas A&M got 31 first downs in 2013. You remember that game where Mike Evans, he was just playing pitch and catch with Mike, Al- Mike Evans. Alabama won that game, but that was an unbelievable game for Texas A&M. And then this game, South Carolina. One of these games is not like the other. One of these games didn't have the talent the other two team, the other three teams had. It's, it's, a, it's alarming. Beyond just the total yards, the fact that you allowed 31 first downs, the fact that you played 86 plays, it's alarming. It's something to watch. So there are areas where the defense really isn't that far away from making a play. It, they're there. They're just playing really inexperienced guys that have to, have to be there, have to understand how quick things happen in the SEC. And once they get that, I think they'll be in position to make more plays. Nick Saban said that Ali Cahoe and Christian Harris – We'll be in competition this week for for the starting will linebacker. So that position's back up for grabs after Christian Harris basically won it. Well, now he won it basically when Josh McMillan went down, but he still won the job. And now it's back up for grabs after three weeks. That's concerning. You would have hoped that after three weeks that the true freshman would be getting some more seasoning, and instead, after three games, the competition's back up for grabs. It's alarming. It's concerning. And it's something that we'll continue to watch. Uh, because there's a possibility now that LeBron Ray is going to be out for a while with another foot injury. And it's the foot injury he, he basically had starting fall camp. He's re-injured it. Possibility he's out for the season. Best case scenario, he misses a few games. But what that puts Alabama in position to do is start a new other true freshman. Justin Aboigby is going to start. We already know that Christian Harris and Shane Lee have been starting as true freshmen. We know that Jordan Battle has started as a true freshman. And we know that DJ Dell is starting as a true freshman. That's five true freshmen you might be starting on your defense. Five. That's not that unusual when you have a new coach coming in building his program. This is Nick Saban. They recruit really well. They are in a position defensively where they might have to play and start five true freshmen on Saturday. Let that sink in. That's why you're seeing some growing pains with this defense. And you should expect to see some growing pains with this defense. We'll find out this week if, if Christian Harris is able to hold on to his starting job. But but it's being critiqued heavily. And now it's an issue. And the stuff that South Carolina put on film, every coach that plays Alabama is putting that stuff on film. 
This is how you confuse those freshmen inside linebackers. This is what we did. And you can build on that. And the really good coaches can build on that. So these guys are sort of getting a trial by fire. And they're having to learn on the fly. So before you make any bold proclamations of how how poorly they're playing and, and, and that they'll never make it at Alabama, just, just remember <laughs> they're freshmen and they're young freshmen. But it, it's an issue, no doubt. What's not an issue is the Alabama passing game. Tua Tonga-Valoa was brilliant. 444 yards hit through the air. Five touchdowns. He's made it look so easy that there, were, there really wasn't even much hype around his game. I mean, it's almost like everyone's become so accustomed to it that it doesn't rate anymore. Certainly not as much as what Jalen Hurts is doing at Oklahoma. People are losing their mind over it. They are losing their mind. I told you what happened. I told you a couple weeks ago that quarterbacks that can run and throw, sports writers lose their mind over it. And we've lost all ability to put anything into context when it comes to, to the quarterback. It's all about numbers. And the context of those numbers and how they happen, they don't matter. Because at the end of the day, you build on them, and next week those numbers get better and better and better. And Jalen Hurts has been really good, completing like 86% of his passes. You guys know that he has more touchdown passes than he has incompletions. He's got 13 touchdown passes on the season. He's only got 12 incompletions. That's stupid. But Tua's been doing a really good job quietly, too. That was his first 400-yard game passing because – which shocked me, but when you start to think about it, he didn't play a lot in the second half of his career. So he's he's basically he's basically racked up all the his career statistics at Alabama in about two and a half quarters. So when you look at his numbers, just look at him and be like, he did that in two and a half quarters. Again, put it into context. But that was his first four hundred yard game. He tied a career high in, in touchdown passes which I believe, I'd have to check this out, but I believe he set that against Auburn last year. I think he threw for five touchdowns against Auburn last year and ran for another. So he had six total touchdowns against Auburn in the Iron Bowl. But uh, he, he's been incredible. And I told you, and I know you believe me, because you guys have seen him play too. It's not like I was throwing some unbelievable thing that no one wanted to believe, like some hot take out there. But I told you that if he got, if, if, if this passing game got protection, if Tua got protection that no one in the country could cover these wide receivers i told you that and we've seen now a different guy step up and be a star Devontae smith was brilliant south carolina could not cover him by his own standards jerry judy had a pretty pretty pedestrian day i think he had six catches for something like 68 yards which is a a decent day but we're used to jerry judy scoring touchdowns and, and, and catching 10 passes and going for 150 so he had a relatively quiet day and Devontae Smith ate. It was his turn to eat. And Henry Ruggs showed you the speed, and he ate. There's no – Jalen Waddle had a really quiet day. You take one of those guys away, the other one's going to step up. It's just a matter of choose which poison you want to drink. That's where we are with this Alabama offense. They are incredible. But – they got to give their main running backs the ball more than 15 times a game. 
there's a way to do that. Listen, I completely understand the personnel that Alabama has and that you need to feature what you're best at. Don't reinvent the wheel. I get that. I completely get that. You got Tua and you got those receivers. Let them work. Completely agree. But your running backs have to get the ball more than 15 times a game, which is what your main two running backs, Najee Harris and Brian Robinson, got. They carried the ball 15 times. Remember that Remember that amazing catch and run that we saw from Najee Harris where he caught the ball on fourth and two, fourth and three, basically threw a very large man on the ground, made it look easy, and then he leapt a defensive back, and then he bounced off another guy, or should I say the other guy bounced off him as he went for a touchdown. Remember that? Pretty big moment. And you would think that a, you know, we've seen sports all the time that when a player has a good play, what do you do? You go back to him and you go back to him because they get the hot hand. You know how many times that Najee Harris touched the football after that? Twice. After that catch and run, he touched the ball twice the rest of the game. Guys, I'm at a loss. Listen, again, I completely understand. Do what you are. Be who you are. And Alabama's a passing offense, a dynamic passing offense, an elite passing offense. I'm not saying don't do that. But you have to be able to have some balance. Because remember what I told you at the beginning of this podcast. I'm not judging Alabama against South Carolina or Southern Miss or Old Miss. I'm judging Alabama based on the ability to beat a Clemson for a national championship. And if you can't run the ball versus Clemson, you're in trouble. We saw it in the red zone last year, the national championship game. You have to be able to run the ball a little bit. You can't completely abandon it. And Nick Saban said that there there were a lot of runs called, but they were all attached to an RPO. And that they presented Tua with passing options, and he took them, and he carved them up. There just has to be a way to get your running backs involved. And maybe, maybe we saw it Saturday in Columbia. Maybe it is through the passing game, because I thought – uh, Najee and Brian Robinson were really good out of the backfield catching the ball. I think they combined for seven catches. I thought they were really good. They had a couple. Najee had two touchdowns catching the ball out of the backfield. I do think that's where he's most comfortable is in space. I think he's more comfortable in space than he is running between the tackles. Maybe that's how you get your running game involved. Maybe the short passes are the running game this year. It's going to be something we watch evolve through the season. I just know I'm, I'm watching the game. And I'm looking at it in in 22 and 24 combined for for 15 carries. They got to get more runs than that. Nick Saban told you after the game to keep this defense healthy. You got to do it. And speaking of big plays, I didn't mention it. Part of that, how we're all breaking the defense down. 20 plays South Carolina had that went for 10 yards or more. 20. 20 plays against an Alabama defense where they gained at least 10 yards. It's just different than we're used to seeing at Alabama. And maybe it's just big, this is a new reality because Alabama is so good offensively. Maybe, it, I mean, I hate to even say it. You guys are going to string me up. Is Alabama turning into a Big 12 team? I kid, I kid. Sort of. Am I? Uh, the special teams were all over the place again. Um... You know, they had a 14, 18-yard punt from Skylar DeLong. They missed a field goal. They missed an extra point. If, if not for a holding call, 
which I saw live and I thought it was holding, but I understand why some people would be upset because you could, you could call holding on every play, but if not for that holding, South Carolina runs a trick play, fake field goal for a touchdown. The special teams were not good. So outside of the passing offense, Alabama didn't play a real good game and won by 24 points. Alabama played a subpar game and won by 24 points. And I'll remind you, except for a garbage touchdown scored against the backups, they were up 31 points on the road in someone else's house, 31 points, and they didn't come close to playing their A game. So before everyone writes the epitaph on Alabama and how they're not a top four team or they're not really uh, college football playoff worthy, remember that. They didn't come close to playing their A game and they won by 24 and were up by 31 late in that game. And if Christian Barmore doesn't get a questionable targeting call, they do win by 31. But we judge Alabama to such a high standard that when they show any vulnerability, we get columns like, the cracks are in the foundation. Alabama's dynasty's crumbling. That's what you get. I don't have to remind you that when all those columns were written was 2015. Do you remember what happened in 2015? Alabama won a national championship. All that to say is, a team is not who it's going to be ultimately in September what a team is right now is not who they're going to be in January or December remember that teams grow you just can't have the bottom fall out and I'll remind you it does feel like the bottom fell out for Alabama they didn't run the ball they didn't play the run very well they gave up a lot of passing yards they were undisciplined they they committed 11 penalties Special teams were horrible, atrocious. And they won by 24. They played well in one phase of the game, in passing, and they won by 24, and it was never close. So pump the brakes on riding the Alabama dynasties over because it ain't dead yet. But where does Alabama stand in relation to the college football league? Everyone is uh, Clemson's quickly learning that the, the standard for their performances are 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 changing as well, because everyone was on the Trevor Lawrence bandwagon, including me. I had him; he was my preseason Heisman Trophy winner, and he's thrown five interceptions. And everyone's looking for cracks in Clemson and telling you that uh, that maybe they're not a top four team. Stop it! Have you seen that defense? How many plays did Syracuse run inside the five-yard line and didn't sniff the end zone? That defense at Clemson is ridiculous. So the quarterback's turning it over a little bit right now. He still threw for, what, nearly 400 yards? When you get to the top, people magnify every perceived weakness and real weakness to the point where they give themselves a chance to believe that there's someone else who could sneak in there. I do think there are more teams capable of winning the national championship this year. I haven't felt that way the last few years. I think Oklahoma's really good. It's still to be determined how how much progress they've made on defense. I think Georgia's really good. And I told everybody who would listen in the offseason, and I think I even said it on this podcast, I never understood the Michigan love. I never understood it. 
in relation to how they're suddenly the Big Ten favorites. It was always Ohio State. It was always going to be Ohio State. Ohio State has a better roster. I get it. Urban Meyer's no longer the coach, so there's an opening. There's a there's a chance for someone to take, come take their spot. No, there's not. Ryan Day got some coaching experience last year, and that roster didn't change overnight. I never understood why people liked Michigan over Ohio State. And maybe Michigan ends up beating Ohio State, and I look like an idiot. I've been an idiot before. But right now, you tell me who looks like the better football team, Ohio State or Michigan. It ain't real close in my eyes. So I like Ohio State. I think they've shown some things. I think that defense is really good. They had a down year in defensively last year. No doubt about it. But they're playing better on defense this year. And Justin Fields is slowly growing into a really good quarterback. Go look at his numbers. He's going to be there and factor in. So, you know, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, LSU. We haven't even talked about LSU. Joe Burrow is also completing like above 85% completion. It's, it's silly the number some of these quarterbacks are putting up. That's what we're judging Alabama against. Sorry, South Carolina. It ain't you. It ain't Old Miss. I'm judging Alabama's ability to win a national championship against the elite of the elite. So that's why you look for perceived flaws. And that's why sometimes people magnify them, and I think they're doing that with Alabama. I think they're doing that to a certain extent with Clemson. And I think it comes and it stems a little bit from their desire to see those teams lose, which I get it. You like variety. You don't want to eat the same bowl of cereal every day for five, six, seven, eight years in a row. You want some variety. You want some cinnamon toast crunch with your fruity pebbles? I get it. I completely get it. So I think a little bit of his, his selfish desire to see Alabama and Clemson fall off the perch, but it ain't happened yet. I'll remind you, and I'll say it again. Alabama played well in one phase of the game and won by 24 on the road in the SEC in a hostile environment. Are they slipping a little bit? Maybe. Did they show some weakness? Sure. It's September. Let's see where they are in November. Hey, you can catch me uh, on WJOX 94.5 every Monday through Friday from 10 to 2. I hope you listen when you're in the Birmingham area. Uh, This is all I got for you today. I'll catch you again on Friday for another edition of Second and 26. Hey there, listeners. We're excited to share some big news. Our team here at The Athletic and our friends at Wondery just launched a brand new daily sports show called The Lead. We know you're going to love it. The Lead is the first daily sports news podcast that will cover everything from the world stage to the hometown. With the help of The Athletic's more than 400 sports writers and editors, co-hosts Kavitha Davidson and Anders Kelto will bring you sports news up close and personal each weekday morning. You're about to hear a preview of The Lead. Subscribe to The Lead on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now so you don't miss an episode. There's also a link in the episode notes that'll take you there. And check out theathletic.com backslash the lead to read stories featured on the lead. You can follow sports through sound bites or the full story. From up in the press box or down on the sidelines. What do you want to accomplish this year? Actually, I want to accomplish getting on this team first. This fall, a new daily podcast brings you closer to the sports stories that matter. Stories about players. 
a guy like Zion just represents that hope of the failures of the past don't matter because we've got this guy now. And at the buzzer, oh, he knocks it down! Stories about hometowns. You will see hundreds of people wearing number 32 Simpson jerseys uh, in the stands on Sunday afternoons for a Bills home game. And stories about the teams you love. This was the first chance for all those baseball fans to see their guys. From The Athletic, home to the best storytelling in sports. And Wondery, the company behind Sports Wars and Gladiator. I'm Kavitha Davidson. And I'm Anders Kelto. Introducing The Lead. Go beyond the box score, five days a week. This isn't a story where you go to some place and interview the athlete and go home. It stays with you. Are you kidding me? I have never seen anything like that. The Lead premieres September 16th on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening right now. The Lead. Sports up close. Hey, hey, I need some more of that.